Section 17 of Lourdes. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please contact LibriVox.org. Lourdes by Emile Zola, translated by Ernest Visitelli. The fourth day. Two. The service at the grotto. On that day, Monday, the crowd at the grotto was enormous it was the last day that the national pilgrimage would spend at lourdes and father fourcade in his morning address had said that it would be necessary to make a supreme effort of fervour and faith to obtain from heaven all that it might be willing to grant in the way of grace and prodigious cure so from two o'clock in the afternoon twenty thousand pilgrims were assembled there feverish and agitated by the most ardent hopes from minute to minute the crowd continued increasing to such a point indeed that baron suir became alarmed and came out of the grotto to say to berthaud my friend we shall be overwhelmed that's certain double your squads bring your men closer together the hospitality of our lady of salvation was alone entrusted with the task of keeping order for there were neither guardians nor policemen of any sort present and it was for this reason that the president of the association was so alarmed however berthaud under grave circumstances was a leader whose words commanded attention and who was endowed with energy that could be relied on be easy said he i will be answerable for everything i shall not move from here until the four o'clock procession has passed by nevertheless he signalled to gerard to approach give your men the strictest instructions he said to him only those persons who have cards should be allowed to pass and place your men nearer each other tell them to hold the cord tight yonder beneath the ivy which draped the rock the grotto opened with the eternal flaring of its candles from a distance it looked rather squat and misshapen a very narrow and modest aperture for the breath of the infinite which issued from it turning all faces pale and bowing every head the statue of the virgin had become a mere white spot which seemed to move in the quiver of the atmosphere heated by the small yellow flames to see anything it was necessary to raise oneself for the silver altar the harmonium organ divested of its housing the heap of bouquets thrown there the votive offerings streaking the smoky walls were scarcely distinguishable from behind the railing and the day was lovely never yet had a purer sky expanded above the immense crowd the softness of the breeze in particular seemed delicious after the storm of the night which had brought down the over-oppressive heat of the two first days Gérard had to fight his way with his elbows in order to repeat the orders to his men. The crowd had already begun pushing. Two more men here, he called. Come, four together if necessary, and hold the rope well. The general impulse was instinctive and invincible. The twenty thousand persons assembled there were drawn towards the grotto by an irresistible attraction, in which burning curiosity mingled with the thirst for mystery all eyes converged every mouth hand and body was borne towards the pale glitter of the candles and the white moving speck of the marble virgin and in order that the large space reserved to the sick in front of the railings might not be invaded by the swelling mob it had been necessary to enclose it with a stout rope which the bearers at intervals of two or three yards grasped with both hands their orders were to let nobody pass excepting the sick provided with hospital cards and the few persons to whom special authorizations had been granted they limited themselves therefore to raising the cords and then letting them fall behind the chosen ones without listening to the supplications of any of the others in fact they even showed themselves somewhat rough taking a certain pleasure in exercising the authority with which they were invested for a day 
in truth however they were very much pushed about and had to support each other and resist with all the strength of their loins to avoid being swept away while the benches before the grotto and the vast reserved space were filling with sick people handcarts and stretchers the crowd the immense crowd swayed about on the outskirts starting from the place du rosaire it extended to the bottom of the promenade along the gave where the pavement throughout its entire length was black with people so dense a human sea that all circulation was prevented on the parapet was an interminable line of women most of them seated but some few standing so as to see the better and almost all carrying silk parasols which with holiday-like gaiety shimmered in the sunlight the managers had wished to keep a path open in order that the sick might be brought along but it was ever being invaded and obstructed so that the carts and stretchers remained on the road submerged and lost until a bearer freed them from the block nevertheless the great tramping was that of a docile flock an innocent lamb-like crowd and it was only the involuntary pushing the blind rolling of one and all towards the light of the candles that had to be contended against no accident had ever happened there notwithstanding the excitement which gradually increased and threw the people into the unruly delirium of faith however baron suir again forced his way through the throng berteau berteau he called see that the defile is conducted less rapidly there are women and children stifling this time berteau gave a sign of impatience ah oh, hang it i can't be everywhere close the gate for a moment if it's necessary it was a question of the march through the grotto which went on throughout the afternoon the faithful were permitted to enter by the door on the left and made their exit by that on the right close the gate exclaimed the baron but that would be worse they would all get crushed against it as it happened gerard was there thoughtlessly talking for an instant with raymonde who was standing on the other side of the cord holding a bowl of milk which she was about to carry to a paralyzed old woman and berteau ordered the young fellow to post two men at the entrance gate of the iron railing with instructions only to allow the pilgrims to enter by tens when gerard had executed this order and returned he found berteau laughing and joking with raymonde she went off on her errand however and the two men stood watching her while she made the paralyzed woman drink she is charming and it's settled eh said berteau you are going to marry her aren't you i shall ask her mother to-night i rely upon you to accompany me why certainly you know what i told you nothing could be more sensible the uncle will find you a berth before six months are over a push of the crowd separated them and berteau went off to assure himself personally whether the march through the grotto was now being accomplished in a methodical manner without any crushing for hours the same unbroken tide rolled in women men and children from all parts of the world all who chose all who passed that way as a result classes were singularly mixed there were beggars in rags beside neat bourgeois peasants of either sex well-dressed ladies servants with bare hair young girls with bare feet and others with pomatumed hair and foreheads bound with ribbons admission was free the mystery was open to all to unbelievers as well as to the faithful to those who were solely influenced by curiosity as well as to those who entered with their hearts faint with love and it was a sight to see them all almost equally affected by the tepid odour of the wax half stifling in the heavy tabernacle air which gathered beneath the rocky vault and lowering their eyes for fear of slipping on the gratings many stood there bewildered not even bowing examining the things around with the covert uneasiness of indifferent folk astray amidst the redoubtable mysteries of a sanctuary 
but the devout crossed themselves threw letters deposited candles and bouquets kissed the rock below the virgin's statue or else rubbed their chaplets medals and other small objects of piety against it as the contact sufficed to bless them and the defile continued continued without end during days and months as it had done for years and it seemed as if the whole world all the miseries and sufferings of humanity came in turn and passed in the same hypnotic contagious kind of round through that rocky nook ever in search of happiness when berteau had satisfied himself that everything was working well he walked about like a mere spectator superintending his men only one matter remained to trouble him the procession of the blessed sacrament during which such frenzy burst forth that accidents were always to be feared this last day seemed likely to be a very fervent one for he already felt a tremor of exalted faith rising among the crowd the treatment needed for miraculous cure was drawing to an end there had been the fever of the journey the besetting influence of the same endlessly repeated hymns and the stubborn continuation of the same religious exercises and still and ever the conversation was turned on miracles and the mind fixed on the divine illumination of the grotto many not having slept for three nights had reached a state of hallucination and walked about in a rageful dream no repose was granted them the continual prayers were like whips lashing their souls the appeals to the blessed virgin never ceased priest followed priest in the pulpit proclaiming the universal dolor and directing the despairing supplications of the throng during the whole time that the sick remained before the pale smiling marble statue with hands clasped and eyes raised to heaven at that moment the white stone pulpit against the rock on the right of the grotto was occupied by a priest from toulouse whom berteau knew and to whom he listened for a moment with an air of approval he was a stout man with an unctuous diction famous for his rhetorical successes however all eloquence here consisted in displaying the strength of one's lungs in a violent delivery of the phrase or cry which the whole crowd had to repeat for the addresses were nothing more than so much vociferation interspersed with aves and paters the priest who had just finished the rosary strove to increase his stature by stretching his short legs whilst shouting the first appeal of the litanies which he improvised and led in his own way according to the inspiration which possessed him mary we love thee he called and thereupon the crowd repeated in a lower confused and broken tone mary we love thee from that moment there was no stopping the voice of the priest rang out at full swing and the voices of the crowd responded in a dolorous murmur mary thou art our only hope mary thou art our only hope pure virgin make us purer among the pure pure virgin make us purer among the pure powerful virgin save our sick powerful virgin save our sick often when the priest's imagination failed him or he wished to thrust a cry home with greater force he would repeat it thrice while the docile crowd would do the same quivering under the enervating effect of the persistent lamentation which increased its fever the litanies continued and berteau went back towards the grotto those who defiled through it beheld an extraordinary sight when they turned and faced the sick the whole of the large space between the cords was occupied by the thousand or twelve hundred patients whom the national pilgrimage had brought with it and beneath the vast spotless sky on that radiant day there was the most heart-rending jumble of sufferers that one could behold the three hospitals of lourdes had emptied their chambers of horror to begin with those who were still able to remain seated had been piled upon the benches many of them however were propped up with cushions whilst others kept shoulder to shoulder the strong ones supporting the weak then in front of the benches before the grotto itself 
were the more grievously afflicted sufferers lying at full length the flagstones disappearing from view beneath this woeful assemblage which was like a large stagnant pool of horror there was an indescribable block of vehicles stretchers and mattresses some of the invalids in little boxes not unlike coffins had raised themselves up and showed above the others but the majority lay almost on a level with the ground there were some lying fully dressed on the check patterned ticks of mattresses whilst others had been brought with their bedding so that only their heads and pale hands were seen outside the sheets few of these pallets were clean some pillows of dazzling whiteness which by a last feeling of coquetry had been trimmed with embroidery alone shone out among the filthy wretchedness of all the rest a fearful collection of rags worn-out blankets and linen splashed with stains and all were pushed squeezed piled up by chance as they came women men children and priests people in nightgowns beside people who were fully attired jumbled together in the blinding light of day and all forms of disease were there the whole frightful procession which twice a day left the hospitals to wend its way through horrified lourdes there were the heads eaten away by eczema the foreheads crowned with roseola and the noses and mouths which elephantiasis had transformed into shapeless snouts next the dropsical ones swollen out like leathern bottles the rheumatic ones with twisted hands and swollen feet like bags stuffed full of rags and a sufferer from hydrocephalus whose huge and weighty skull fell backwards then the consumptive ones with livid skins trembling with fever exhausted by dysentery wasted to skeletons then the deformities the contractions the twisted trunks the twisted arms the necks all awry all the poor broken pounded creatures motionless in their tragic marionette-like postures then the poor rachitic girls displaying their waxen complexions and slender necks eaten into by sores the yellow-faced besotted-looking women in the painful stupor which falls on unfortunate creatures devoured by cancer and the others who turned pale and dared not move fearing as they did the shock of the tumours whose weighty pain was stifling them on the benches sat bewildered deaf women who heard nothing but sang on all the same and blind ones with their heads erect who remained for hours turned towards the statue of the virgin which they could not see and there was also the woman stricken with imbecility whose nose was eaten away and who laughed with a terrifying laugh displaying the black empty cavern of her mouth and then the epileptic woman whom a recent attack had left as pale as death with froth still at the corners of her lips but sickness and suffering were no longer of consequence since they were all there seated or lying down with their eyes upon the grotto the poor fleshless earthy-looking faces became transfigured and began to glow with hope ankylosed hands were joined heavy eyelids found the strength to rise exhausted voices revived as the priest shouted the appeals at first there was nothing but indistinct stuttering similar to slight puffs of air rising here and there above the multitude then the cry ascended and spread through the crowd itself from one to the other end of the immense square mary conceived without sin pray for us cried the priest in his thundering voice and the sick and the pilgrims repeated louder and louder mary conceived without sin pray for us then the flow of the litany set in and continued with increasing speed most pure mother most chaste mother thy children are at thy feet most pure mother most chaste mother thy children are at thy feet queen of the angels say but a word and our sick shall be healed queen of the angels say but a word and our sick shall be healed in the second row of sufferers near the pulpit was monsieur sabatier who had asked to be brought there early wishing to choose his place like an old habitué who knew the cosy corners 
moreover it seemed to him that it was of paramount importance that he should be as near as possible under the very eyes of the virgin as though she required to see her faithful in order not to forget them however for the seven years that he had been coming there he had nursed this one hope of being some day noticed by her of touching her and of obtaining his cure if not by selection at least by seniority this merely needed patience on his part without the firmness of his faith being in the least shaken by his way of thinking only like a poor resigned man just a little weary of being always put off he sometimes allowed himself diversions for instance he had obtained permission to keep his wife near him seated on a camp-stool and he liked to talk to her and acquaint her with his reflections raise me a little my dear said he i am slipping i am very uncomfortable attired in trousers and a coarse woolen jacket he was sitting upon his mattress with his back leaning against a tilted chair are you better asked his wife when she had raised him yes yes he answered and then began to take an interest in brother isidore whom they had succeeded in bringing in spite of everything and who was lying upon a neighbouring mattress with a sheet drawn up to his chin and nothing protruding but his wasted hands which lay clasped upon the blanket ah the poor man said monsieur sabatier it's very imprudent but the blessed virgin is so powerful when she chooses he took up his chaplet again but once more broke off from his devotions on perceiving madame mars who had just glided into the reserved space so slender and unobtrusive that she had doubtless slipped under the ropes without being noticed she had seated herself at the end of a bench and very quiet and motionless did not occupy more room there than a child and her long face with its weary features the face of a woman of two and thirty faded before her time wore an expression of unlimited sadness infinite abandonment and so resumed monsieur sabatier in a low voice again addressing his wife after attracting her attention by a slight movement of the chin it's for the conversion of her husband that this lady prays you came across her this morning in a shop didn't you yes yes replied madame sabatier and besides i had some talk about her with another lady who knows her her husband is a commercial traveller he leaves her for six months at a time and goes about with other people oh he's a very gay fellow it seems very nice and he doesn't let her want for money only she adores him she cannot accustom herself to his neglect and comes to pray the blessed virgin to give him back to her at this moment it appears he is close by at luchon with two ladies two sisters monsieur sabatier signed his wife to stop he was now looking at the grotto again becoming a man of intellect a professor whom questions of art had formerly impassioned you see my dear he said they have spoilt the grotto by endeavouring to make it too beautiful i am certain it looked much better in its original wildness it has lost its characteristic features and what a frightful shop they have stuck there on the left however he now experienced sudden remorse for his thoughtlessness whilst he was chatting away might not the blessed virgin be noticing one of his neighbours more fervent more sedate than himself feeling anxious on the point he reverted to his customary modesty and patience and with dull expressionless eyes again began waiting for the good pleasure of heaven moreover the sound of a fresh voice helped to bring him back to this annihilation in which nothing was left of the cultured reasoner that he had formerly been it was another preacher who had just entered the pulpit a capuchin this time whose guttural call persistently repeated sent a tremor through the crowd holy virgin of virgins be blessed holy virgin of virgins be blessed holy virgin of virgins turn not thy face from thy children holy virgin of virgins turn not thy face from thy children holy virgin of virgins breathe upon our sores and our sores shall heal holy virgin of virgins breathe upon our sores and our sores shall heal 
at the end of the first bench skirting the central path which was becoming crowded the vigneron family had succeeded in finding room for themselves they were all there little gustave seated in a sinking posture with his crutch between his legs his mother beside him following the prayers like a punctilious bourgeoise his aunt madame chaise on the other side so inconvenienced by the crowd that she was stifling and monsieur vigneron who remained silent and for a moment had been examining madame chaise attentively what is the matter with you my dear he inquired do you feel unwell she was breathing with difficulty well i don't know she answered but i can't feel my limbs and my breath fails me at that very moment the thought had occurred to him that all the agitation fever and scramble of a pilgrimage could not be very good for heart disease of course he did not desire anybody's death he had never asked the blessed virgin for any such thing if his prayer for advancement had already been granted through the sudden death of his chief it must certainly be because heaven had already ordained the latter's death and in the same way if madame chaise should die first leaving her fortune to gustave he would only have to bow before the will of god which generally requires that the aged should go off before the young nevertheless his hope unconsciously became so keen that he could not help exchanging a glance with his wife to whom had come the same involuntary thought gustave draw back he exclaimed you are inconveniencing your aunt and then as raymond passed he asked do you happen to have a glass of water mademoiselle one of our relatives here is losing consciousness and madame chaise refused the offer with a gesture she was getting better recovering her breath with an effort no i want nothing thank you she gasped there i'm better still i really thought this time that i should stifle her fright left her trembling with haggard eyes in her pale face she again joined her hands and begged the blessed virgin to save her from other attacks and cure her while the vignerons man and wife honest folk both of them reverted to the covert prayer for happiness that they had come to offer up at lourdes a pleasant old age deservedly gained by twenty years of honesty with a respectable fortune which in later years they would go and enjoy in the country cultivating flowers on the other hand little gustave who had seen and noted everything with his bright eyes and intelligence sharpened by suffering was not praying but smiling at space with his vague enigmatical smile what could be the use of his praying he knew that the blessed virgin would not cure him and that he would die however monsieur vigneron could not remain long without busying himself about his neighbours madame de la fée who had come late had been deposited in the crowded central pathway and he marvelled at the luxury about the young woman that sort of coffin quilted with white silk in which she was lying attired in a pink dressing-gown trimmed with valenciennes lace the husband in a frock-coat and the sister in a black gown of simple but marvellous elegance were standing by while abbe judaine kneeling near the sufferer finished offering up a fervent prayer when the priest had risen monsieur vigneron made him a little room on the bench beside him and he then took the liberty of questioning him well monsieur le cure does that poor young woman feel a little better abbe judaine made a gesture of infinite sadness alas no i was full of so much hope it was i who persuaded the family to come two years ago the blessed virgin showed me such extraordinary grace by curing my poor lost eyes that i hoped to obtain another favour from her however i will not despair we still have until to-morrow monsieur vigneron again looked towards madame vieux la fée and examined her poor face still of a perfect oval and with admirable eyes but now it was expressionless with ashen hue similar to a mask of death amidst the lace it's really very sad he murmured and if you had seen her last summer resumed the priest 
they have their country seat at saligny my parish and i often dined with them i cannot help feeling sad when i look at her elder sister madame jousseur that lady in black who stands there for she bears a strong resemblance to her and the poor sufferer was even prettier one of the beauties of paris and now compare them together observe that brilliancy that sovereign grace beside that poor pitiful creature it oppresses one's heart oh what a frightful lesson he became silent for an instant saintly man that he was naturally altogether devoid of passions with no keen intelligence to disturb him in his faith he displayed a naive admiration for beauty wealth and power which he had never envied nevertheless he ventured to express a doubt a scruple which troubled his usual serenity for my part i should have liked her to come here with more simplicity without all that surrounding of luxury because the blessed virgin prefers the humble but i understand very well that there are certain social exigencies and then her husband and sister love her so remember that he has forsaken his business and she her pleasures in order to come here with her and so overcome are they at the idea of losing her that their eyes are never dry they always have that bewildered look which you can notice so they must be excused for trying to procure her the comfort of looking beautiful until the last hour monsieur vigneron nodded his head approvingly ah it was certainly not the wealthy who had the most luck at the grotto servants country folk poor beggars were cured while ladies returned home with their ailments unrelieved notwithstanding their gifts and the big candles they had burnt and in spite of himself vigneron then looked at madame chaise who having recovered from her attack was now reposing with a comfortable air but a tremor passed through the crowd and abbe juden spoke again here is father Marcias coming towards the pulpit he is a saint listen to him they knew him and were aware that he could never appear without every soul being stirred by sudden hope for it was reported that the miracles were often brought to pass by his great fervour his voice full of tenderness and strength was said to be appreciated by the virgin all heads were therefore uplifted and the emotion yet further increased when father fourcade was seen coming to the foot of the pulpit leaning on the shoulder of his well-beloved brother the preferred of all and he stayed there so that he also might hear him his gouty foot had been paining him more acutely since the morning so that it required great courage on his part to remain thus standing and smiling the increasing exultation of the crowd made him happy however he foresaw prodigies and dazzling cures which would redound to the glory of mary and jesus having entered the pulpit father Marcias did not at once speak he seemed very tall thin and pale with an ascetic face elongated the more by his discoloured beard his eyes sparkled and his large eloquent mouth protruded passionately lord save us for we perish he suddenly cried and in a fever which increased minute by minute the transported crowd repeated lord save us for we perish then he opened his arms and again launched forth his flaming cry as if he had torn it from his glowing heart lord if it be thy will thou canst heal me lord if it be thy will thou canst heal me lord i am not worthy that thou shouldst enter under my roof but only say the word and i shall be healed lord i am not worthy that thou shouldst enter under my roof but only say the word and i shall be healed Marthe, brother isidore's sister had now begun to talk in a whisper with madame sabatier near whom she had at last seated herself they had formed an acquaintance at the hospital and drawn together by so much suffering the servant had familiarly confided to the bourgeoise how anxious she felt about her brother for she could plainly see that he had very little breath left in him the blessed virgin must be quick indeed if she desired to save him 
it was already a miracle that they had been able to bring him alive as far as the grotto in her resignation poor simple creature that she was she did not weep but her heart was so swollen that her infrequent words came faintly from her lips then a flood of past memories suddenly returned to her and with her utterance thickened by prolonged silence she began to relieve her heart we were fourteen at home at saint jacques near vannes he big as he was has always been delicate and that was why he remained with our priest who ended by placing him among the christian brothers the elder ones took over the property and for my part i preferred going out to service yes it was a lady who took me with her to paris five years ago already ah what a lot of trouble there is in life everyone has so much trouble you are quite right my girl replied madame sabatier looking the while at her husband who was devoutly repeating each of father massias's appeals and then continued marthe there i learnt last month that isidore who had returned from a hot climate where he had been on a mission had brought a bad sickness back with him and when i ran to see him he told me he should die if he did not leave for lourdes but that he couldn't make the journey because he had nobody to accompany him then as i had eighty francs saved up i gave up my place and we set out together you see madame if i am so fond of him it's because when i was little he used to bring me gooseberries from the parsonage whereas all the others beat me she relapsed into silence for a moment her countenance swollen by grief and her poor eyes so scorched by watching that no tears could come from them then she began to stutter disjointed words look at him madame it fills one with pity ah oh, my god his poor cheeks his poor chin his poor face it was in fact a lamentable spectacle madame sabatier's heart was quite upset when she observed brother isidore so yellow cadaverous steeped in a cold sweat of agony above the sheet he still only showed his clasped hands and his face encircled with long scanty hair but if those wax-like hands seemed lifeless if there was not a feature of that long-suffering face that stirred its eyes were still alive inextinguishable eyes of love whose flame sufficed to illumine the whole of his expiring visage the visage of a christ upon the cross and never had the contrast been so clearly marked between his low forehead and unintelligent loutish peasant air and the divine splendour which came from his poor human mask ravaged and sanctified by suffering sublime at this last hour in the passionate radiance of his faith his flesh had melted as it were he was no longer a breath nothing but a look a light since he had been set down there his eyes had not strayed from the statue of the virgin nothing else existed around him he did not see the enormous multitude he did not even hear the wild cries of the priests the incessant cries which shook this quivering crowd his eyes alone remained to him his eyes burning with infinite tenderness and they were fixed upon the virgin never more to turn from her they drank her in even unto death they made a last effort of will to disappear die out in her for an instant however his mouth half opened and his drawn visage relaxed as an expression of celestial beatitude came over it then nothing more stirred his eyes remained wide open still obstinately fixed upon the white statue a few seconds elapsed marthe had felt a cold breath chilling the roots of her hair i say madame look she stammered madame sabatier who felt anxious pretended that she did not understand what is it my girl my brother look he no longer moves he opened his mouth and has not stirred since then they both shuddered feeling certain he was dead he had indeed just passed away without a rattle without a breath as if life had escaped in his glance through his large loving eyes ravenous with passion 
he had expired gazing upon the virgin and nothing could have been so sweet and he still continued to gaze upon her with his dead eyes as though with ineffable delight try to close his eyes murmured madame sabatier we shall soon know then marthe had already risen and leaning forward so as not to be observed she endeavoured to close the eyes with a trembling finger but each time they reopened and again looked at the virgin with invincible obstinacy he was dead and marthe had to leave his eyes wide open steeped in unbounded ecstasy ah it's finished it's quite finished madame she stuttered two tears then burst from her heavy eyelids and ran down her cheeks while madame sabatier caught hold of her hand to keep her quiet there had been whisperings and uneasiness was already spreading but what course could be adopted it was impossible to carry off the corpse amidst such a mob during the prayers without incurring the risk of creating a disastrous effect the best plan would be to leave it there pending a favourable moment the poor fellow scandalized no one he did not seem any more dead now than he had seemed ten minutes previously and everybody would think that his flaming eyes were still alive ardently appealing to the divine compassion of the blessed virgin only a few persons among those around knew the truth monsieur sabatier quite scared had made a questioning sign to his wife and on being answered by a prolonged affirmative nod he had returned to his prayers without any rebellion though he could not help turning pale at the thought of the mysterious almighty power which sent death when life was asked for the vignerons who were very much interested leaned forward and whispered as though in presence of some street accident one of those petty incidents which in paris the father sometimes related on returning home from the ministry and which sufficed to occupy them all throughout the evening madame jousseur for her part had simply turned round and whispered a word or two in monsieur diolafe's ear and then they had both reverted to the heart-rending contemplation of their own dear invalid whilst abbe juden informed by monsieur vigneron knelt down and in a low agitated voice recited the prayers for the dead was he not a saint that missionary who had returned from a deadly climate with a mortal wound in his side to die there beneath the smiling gaze of the blessed virgin and madame mars who also knew what had happened suddenly felt a taste for death and resolved that she would implore heaven to suppress her also in an unobtrusive fashion if it would not listen to her prayer and give her back her husband but the cry of father Macias rose into a still higher key burst forth with the strength of terrible despair with a rending like that of a sob jesus son of david i am perishing save me and the crowd sobbed after him in unison jesus son of david i am perishing save me then in quick succession and in higher and higher keys the appeals went on proclaiming the intolerable misery of the world jesus son of david take pity on thy sick children jesus son of david take pity on thy sick children jesus son of david come heal them that they may live jesus son of david come heal them that they may live it was delirium at the foot of the pulpit father fourcade succumbing to the extraordinary passion which overflowed from all hearts had likewise raised his arms and was shouting the appeals in his thundering voice as though to compel the intervention of heaven and the exultation was still increasing beneath this blast of desire whose powerful breath bowed every head in turn spreading even to the young women who in a spirit of mere curiosity sat watching the scene from the parapet of the gave for these also turned pale under their sunshades miserable humanity was clamouring from the depths of its abyss of suffering and the clamour swept along sending a shudder down every spine for one and all were plunged in agony refusing to die longing to compel god to grant them eternal life ah life life 
that was what all those unfortunates who had come from so far amid so many obstacles wanted that was the one boon they asked for in their wild desire to live it over again to live it always o lord whatever our mystery whatever the torment of our life may be cure us grant us that we may begin to live again and suffer once more what we have suffered already however unhappy we may be to be is what we wish it is not heaven that we ask thee for it is earth and grant that we may leave it at the latest possible moment never leave it indeed if such be thy good pleasure and even when we no longer implore a physical cure but a moral favour it is still happiness that we ask thee for happiness the thirst for which alone consumes us o lord grant that we may be happy and healthy let us live ay let us live for ever this wild cry the cry of man's furious desire for life came in broken accents mingled with tears from every breast o lord son of david heal our sick o lord son of david heal our sick Berthaud had twice been obliged to dash forward to prevent the cords from giving way under the unconscious pressure of the crowd baron suir in despair kept on making signs begging someone to come to his assistance for the grotto was now invaded and the march past had become the mere trampling of a flock rushing to its passion in vain did gerard again leave raymond and post himself at the entrance gate of the iron railing so as to carry out the orders which were to admit the pilgrims by tens he was hustled and swept aside while with feverish excitement everybody rushed in passing like a torrent between the flaring candles throwing bouquets and letters to the virgin and kissing the rock which the pressure of millions of inflamed lips had polished it was faith run wild the great power that nothing henceforth could stop and now whilst gerard stood there hemmed in against the iron railing he heard two countrywomen whom the advance was bearing onward raise loud exclamations at sight of the sufferers lying on the stretchers before them one of them was so greatly impressed by the pallid face of brother isidore whose large dilated eyes were still fixed on the statue of the virgin that she crossed herself and overcome by devout admiration murmured oh look at that one see how he is praying with his whole heart and how he gazes on our lady of lourdes the other peasant woman thereupon replied oh she will certainly cure him he is so beautiful indeed as the dead man lay there his eyes still fixedly staring whilst he continued his prayer of love and faith his appearance touched every heart no one in that endless streaming throng could behold him without feeling edified end of section seventeen